Welcome to the AIRL podcast, the show where we explore the fascinating world of artificial intelligence and its impact on our lives. I'm your host, Mark Kelly, and I'm thrilled to have you joining us today. Each week, we delve into the cutting edge developments, breakthrough technologies, and innovative applications of AI right here in Ireland and beyond. As Ireland emerges as a global hub for AI research and development, we're here to bring you insightful conversations with leading experts entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are at the forefront of this exciting revolution. So get ready to expand your knowledge and be inspired by the incredible possibilities that lie ahead. But before we dive in, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what you hear, we'd love it if you could leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Together, let's spread the AI revolution. Hello everyone, it's Mark Kelly, founder of AI Ireland, and I hope you're doing really well wherever you are in the world today. Delighted to welcome Powell Lee. Powell is a principal data scientist at the North American Bankard. Powell, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Powell, tell us a little bit about your background and your journey into the world of AI. My background is in astronomy. I did a PhD in which I specialized in running numerical simulations of star forming regions. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to be able to quantify how different initial conditions, so the starting setup, how that affects the evolution of these star forming regions. So in order to that, it's always better to be able to say, oh, this was clumpy to the X degree. And we can't always say that. It's it's a bit hand wavy. And for the sake of the scientific method, we try to come up with methods, metrics of quantifying this structure and using perhaps clustering and some elements of graph theory to quantify these initial conditions and then see how the presence of that clumpiness, the clustering, affects the evolution, the dynamical evolution of these systems. But um, after completing the PhD, I decided to become a data scientist. You know, I defended my thesis back in 2015, and around that time, data science was the next hottest thing, and I wanted a part of it. And well, this is where I am now. After leaving academia, I bounced between a couple of industries and I decided to focus on the financial crime or financial crime prevention, I, sh- I should say. I, uh, I'm in no way empowering financial crime. We're all working to stop it. And when you, when you looked at your experience coming into it, do you think your PhD background helped you in the world of you know, you know, preventing financial crime in terms of the, the different types of creative problems that you, you come, come across? Because I'm guessing in the world of financial crime and fraudulent trading, it's becoming, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, it's becoming so high tech and so many different angles that it's just hard to keep track. Yeah, that's an interesting point you are raising there. 
with my background in astronomy, you know, when somebody has a background in solid state physics, they can always move to an industry and that industry is somewhat well defined because the solid state physics governs so many different parts of our lives. But there isn't really an industry for astronomy. There isn't like a private sector where you could go and use these skills directly. So this relies a little bit more on the transferable skills and the ability to apply the high degree of numeracy that we acquire throughout our education in these different contexts. But surprisingly, there are a lot of things that can be applied directly. And I mentioned briefly the clustering, so unsupervised machine learning methods and elements of graph theory. And these are actually extremely important because the fraudsters, they do not exist or transact in a vacuum. It's all part of an interconnected system. And these elements and the relationships between them, they end up forming these relationship graphs or you can interpret them as graphs at least. So that's an unexpected perhaps uh, connection somewhat out of the left field that I found between my PhD and the world of financial crime. I love those left fields uh, because you never quite know, you know how things are going to benefit you or help or assist. But I'm, I think everything is kind of fluid, but it's in the funniest ways they kind of come together. And... Um, you know, it's it's kind of amazing how those disciplines in the world of artificial intelligence can all be kind of linked up because there's a strong foundation in them as well. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do day to day and maybe for people who don't know, uh, North American Bankard. So North American Bankard is the largest private transaction processor in the United States, in all of North America, really. And they are based out of Michigan in the United States, but our data science team is based in Ireland, in Limerick City. And just to clarify what a transaction processor is, it's the intermediary layer which allows the consumers, that is us, to pay for the products and services at different merchants. So that layer in between all that orchestration that happens uh, that we don't really think about as the card holders because we always think about our banks and then spending money, let's say at a coffee shop, but there is all sorts of other things that have to happen in between. And that is the, what the transaction processors do. And this of course uh, ties again to the idea of fraud prevention because it's a legal obligation for the processors to protect both the consumers and the merchants on the other side against fraud. We often think about fraud as something that affects us, the card holders, when the card is stolen, but the merchants themselves are also affected by it. So it's a, it's for the protection of both parties. So fraud really has become a huge problem in the recent years. And I've pulled up some numbers. So I'm not 100% sure if everything is correct, but based on the many reports, the fraud losses globally across many different areas of fraud would perhaps be equivalent to somewhere around the eighth or ninth biggest economy in the world. So this is a 
staggering that is an incredible figure when you actually think about it uh when you actually break it down of how sophisticated and you know how much money is out there to 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 work through tell me about what you and the team do to help to prevent this so maybe i'll start you off with something that uh, would be quite familiar to everyone listening and that is the consumer fraud monitoring side of thing this is the live transaction scoring that happens whenever you go to a merchant and you tap your card and you don't really see all the stuff that's going behind the scenes but you hope that if somebody was to use a credit card that was stolen from you that that would be stopped so together with our team i we've worked on one of these things in the past one of these applications and it's really staggering how much of an impact you can have if you move from a slightly more primitive perhaps solution that uses set of rules to decide whether to alert on a transaction or not to something that is more fleshed out and powered by machine learning so we actually experienced a drop of 80% in the number of chargebacks while at the same time we managed to reduce the number of transactions blocked by 60%. So this huge volume of false alerts was cut out due to us being able to shift from a very rudimentary bare bones rules based system that says oh if this transaction is greater than x then stop it to something that uh, uses more sophisticated information about the profiles built over time perhaps geographical features has this card been used in locations that are very far away apart and so on i'm not going to divulge every single type of feature you can build here but i think it's a really clear sign of the how much we can improve if we start incorporating these machine learning slash AI powered models yeah. in many even, areas of the life. And even with those figures you mentioned, 80%, like the, the impact that would have across everybody because you have the time that is spent following up on all these different processes, the customer experience and trying to make sure that's improved. And then this is being automated. So it's just allowing people to do a lot better work. Tell us a little bit about how you define the right problem to solve that's very close to the, to the business rather than kind of working on problems that don't necessarily move the dial and how you're actually using that data science to act as an enabler because it's, it's, it's particularly beneficial for the business, but also the data scientists are very engaged because you're working on a problem that really matters for the business. This is something that we constantly have to keep an eye out on. We we have to make an ac active effort to look at the inefficiencies that uh, could be happening within the business and try to identify these areas where we can go like, you know what, if we did it differently, we could uh, end up saving a lot of time. and back to the data science specific setup i just want to point out that uh, both this project and perhaps a couple others that i would like to mention they all use machine learning and this is, this is 
this is the hot thing this is really exciting everyone wants to hear about it but there is actually a lot uh, of effort that has to go into the data preparation and all the hygiene of the data that we need to ensure before we can start thinking about model implementation and this is a uh, perhaps for many institutions out there this is going to be also a cultural challenge to for everyone in the company to take ownership of the data and know what data is available to us because i've come across things, problems like that before where people were really not sure what sort of data they had or they knew they had some data that say is transaction data but nobody knew what fields uh, it entailed and so on and uh, fortunately as uh, time has passed i've noticed that um, companies the organizations are more and more aware of these requirements and it, it's great because in the future it will allow us to expedite the training and deployment of the models and will allow us to to make meaningful decisions and produce insights with a much faster turnaround. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point because companies now understand that the data preparation, you have to earn the right to apply these models. And if you don't earn the right to apply the models, you're under you know, a lot of scrutiny because is the data fit for purpose? You know, Have you been working on the optimal problem to solve? Is the team and senior management really bought into us? And for a lot of companies beforehand, AI projects were failing because of inaccessibility data, lack of senior management buy-in, dirty data, working on the wrong problems. So having that as a good guide to work through just makes everybody feel a lot better in terms of the process and starting with the end in mind. Definitely. And if you uh, allow me to segue into another project here, because this is an interesting thing about having the all the data put in place for us to be able to use it. And I would like to talk about something that is slightly shady sounding, namely, namely the dark web. Throughout my adventures in the financial crime prevention, prevention I've also been involved in a project that uh, scraped the contents of the dark web to retrieve information about stolen credit card data. And we were extremely successful. We retrieved 21 million stolen credit cards over the period of two or two and a half years. So I don't really know what impact that had on the consumers at the very end, but I like to think that we saved many individuals a lot of grief by doing so. So this is just an example of like, an eminist-like problem where you again need to prepare the data really thoroughly yourself at first and then it's relatively straightforward. You've been listening to the AI Ireland podcast. In today's podcast I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Paul Lee and Paul has been giving us a little bit of an overview about some of the work that he does at the North American Bank Card. Paul Lee is a principal data scientist there and he's talking about some of the problems that they work through, some of the challenges that they have within impacting within financial crime and how they can help reduce the friction, automatically approve different processes. They talked a little bit about chargebacks and how they can have a massive impact in that and then also some of the 21 million retrieved cards that they've worked through on the dark web tracing and it was lovely to chat with you today Powell. 
Thank you very much. It was lovely to be able to share my experiences with everyone. Membership of AI Ireland placed your organization at the center of the fastest growing technology sector in the world today. As a member, you'll have access to our diverse and highly engaged professional community, which is committed to driving artificial intelligence forward in Ireland. Membership of AI Ireland is for any organization, including data and analytics. We offer memberships to corporate, government and SME organizations. Interested to find out more, contact mark at AIAwards.ie.